0: Good morning, friends. We're going to go ahead and get started. Sorry, Brian and I were fighting with a computer. This morning, I want to take a few minutes to talk about where we are with the capital campaign. Um, We're going to spend some time, and if you haven't yet, if you could go get, there are packets... Uh, In the lounge over here, with your name on them, they should have a packet that looks like this inside. If you don't yet have your packet, if you would take a moment to go get those. If you don't have a packet, if you're not seeing one there, um, Brian, who's sitting over there nicely with his computer, can probably help you find there are a few spare packets on the table there. Any packets that don't get picked up today will be mailed out on Monday. So uh, if you don't worry about those folks that are not able to be here for church today, they will get the, um, the p- campaign materials in the mail early this week. So if you weren't at our last forum about where we are with the capital campaign, I want to say a word about the forum. I was back on September 9th, the first forum of the year. Um, at that forum, we had a little bit of emotion about the capital campaign and I want to say I think that's a good thing. Uh, I think it's a good thing that that happened in an adult forum um, with members of the vestry there. Uh, I talked to Erin Weber-Johnson who's our capital campaign advisor and she does this all the time, right? She works with churches that are considering these kind of updates, these kind of changes, and one of the things Erin said was it's actually a really good sign if we can hold one another's emotions here In this kind of space, she said, when a church isn't healthy, those kind of expressions tend to happen out in the parking lot. And I said, well, there's no danger of that at Holy Communion. (laughs) Uh, We're a congregation that that knows how to talk together. It's partly because we don't have a parking lot. But we also, I think, are a place where we're comfortable sharing emotions, sharing reaction. And I think that's a good, it's a healthy sign. I do want to make sure that we're all clear about exactly where we are with this process. Exactly where we are with this process. What you will see in this packet and up on the screen in a moment are some drawings from an architect. The fact that there are drawings does not mean that any of this is said and done. The vestry, the only vote the Vestry has made so far was the vote to pay an architect to develop a master plan. And we listened together, and we fed to the architect the responses to our congregational process back from last spring, when we had all sorts of little meetings, and we talked about the blessings, the challenges, and the opportunities in front of us as a congregation. And with the architect, we talked specifically about the blessings, challenges, and opportunities in this building. So there's not been a vote on any plan, on any one portion of this. We are at the place right now where the architect has given us a proposed plan to solve some of the issues and to live into some of the opportunities we have. I also want to say that as we go through this process, it does matter how we engage. It really does matter how we engage with one another. It matters that we come and attend and participate in public forums. And if we're having an emotional response to any proposal like this, that we share that. Whether we share that here in an adult forum, or we share that with a vestry member, um, or with me. My door remains open through this whole process, and the vestry as well. Uh, really do want to hear from you, whether you feel comfortable sharing in a big public forum, or you'd rather send an email or get in touch with, sit down and have coffee with one of us, we'd be really happy to talk with you. We are at a place of discernment. There are proposals, and we want to hear from you. That's going to take a very formal uh, approach at this stage. Those packets that are there, that some of you have in your hands, include a questionnaire from Aaron Weber Johnson, who's our consultant, asking you what you think about the proposals, asking you to prioritize, asking you what you think about the total that all of this would cost. According to our architect, if we did everything on the menu, it would be $1.8 million of renovation and update and work on the building. So we're asking you to think about that and engage. Please turn those in by October 8th. You can either turn them in by, fill, by putting them in the envelope that's already included in your packet, fill it out, um, and put it in that envelope, and it's already got postage on it. You can just put it right in the mail. It'll go directly to Aaron that way. Or you can go on our website. Uh, there's a, a link in your packet. It's just holycommunion.net backslash survey. Either to fill out that questionnaire on paper or online, you will need your unique ID passcode. It's just a three-digit number. There is one for every household in the congregation. That's on Aaron's request so that we don't have duplicates from uh, the same household. We want to hear from each household, but we only want to count one response per household. So if we hear from um, households multiple times, we'll probably be back in touch to ask, which of these responses you want to count. So you'll need that code, whether you're gonna um, sign in online and enter your survey results that way, or whether you're gonna mail that survey, that questionnaire, back to Erin. You need to write that code in there. And it needs to be turned in by October 8th. So as we go through this process, as we remember that we're in a place of discernment, I wanna raise up one more request from you all. And that is that we really need to keep one another in mind. We need to remember that this place of discernment, it's not coming from me. It's not coming from your vestry. I'm really well aware that um, if you do those personality profiles, one of the describers of my personality is the enthusiast. Uh, I can get excited, I can get um, emotionally attached to particular outcomes. Um, And I know that I've got to curb my enthusiasm with some of this, or I'm going to get my emotions all caught up in it. Um, But with very few exceptions, and I'll tell you where they are when we look at the plans, These ideas did not come from me. These ideas did not come directly from the vestry sitting in a closed vestry session saying, this is what we need to do. The ideas in this proposal came from the congregation. We spent hours together talking about what are the challenges, what are the opportunities, what are the blessings. And the architect took that and gave us this as a response. And I say that because I think it's that we have to be careful about how we respond, especially in a big group setting. Um, You may be feeling a no to something in this proposal, but be careful with your no. Just as I promised you, I'm going to be careful with my yes. Be careful if you have a no to this, because if you stand up and say no loudly, if you say, I really don't like this, and you don't have a A sort of more nuanced, you know, like question or feedback, it's just an emotional no. Know that you're saying that in the midst of a community for whom someone may have a big stake. I'm going to pick on Brian because he's your treasurer and treasurers get to be picked on. (laughs) You're going to see a proposal for the undercroft. The idea for the undercroft arrangement proposal came from Brian. If you stand up and you just say, no, I don't like the idea of cutting up the undercroft into classrooms, into offices, it's dumb. (laughs) You may think you're saying that to me, and I can handle you telling me you think my idea is dumb, but what you may not know is if you stand up here and you didn't know that piece, you may not know that that idea came from Brian, and Brian's really excited about that idea. I can tell you, Brian can handle being called dumb too. But but know that that's part of what this is. This is a community discernment process. And as Beth Scriven, our chaplain at Rockwell House, who will be with us later today as I celebrate at 1030, uh, often tells her students when they're doing discernment, one of the only rules is don't yuck my yum. Um, don't say ew, that's gross to something I'm excited about. If you want to give feedback to something, if you want to say nuance-wise, um, we're really eager to that. You know, there, there's, there's not a lot that's firmly decided yet. Uh, you know, there's, there's very little, really. There's a couple of things that we know are necessities, and I'll talk about that in a minute. It's things like the boiler. We know we have to do something about them. But we don't know what color the boiler will be. We don't know what kind of boiler that we will get. Uh, Likewise, we don't know there's painting in this. We don't know what will be painted what color yet. Those decisions have not been made, and we really do need that kind of feedback. But just be careful with how you say no if you're saying no, because you might yuck somebody's yum. And we don't want to do that in a community. I also want to say a word about change. Um, I'm mindful she's not here, but I'm going to embarrass Pat Reddington, another member of the vestry. Um, after our last discussion, or at our last forum, uh, Brooklyn was the one who stood up and, and was teary. And Brooklyn, thank you. Thank you for your. Uh, Brooklyn, I've had a good conversation. Um, I want to, if you didn't get to see it, Pat Reddington, after that forum, went up to Brooklyn. She wasn't the only vestry member, but she went up to Brooklyn, gave her a hug, and said, you know, I know you talked about how you missed what the nursery used to be like downstairs. And you missed the, um, the way that this carpet was because you remembered playing in this room. Um, and I want to say, I, I understand that. I also want to tell you, I missed the little girl who used to play in the nursery. <laughs> I miss the little girl who used to run around on this carpet. And I don't get to see her anymore. But it's because you grew. Change is something we live with in a community that, that we all have to go through. And we have emotional responses to change. But we are committed to making sure that we stay the same people, the same congregation, that we share the same values. You'll see that these proposals are intentionally included with a description of what's going on based on the values we've discerned together as a congregation, So I would invite you to engage in that kind of way with each other. See one another, hear one another, and share with one another what you're feeling. Um, Also want to say 1.8 million may seem like a lot of money. Or it might not. Um, I've heard both. I've felt both. 1.8 million is not a final number. 1.8 million represents what it would cost if we did everything on this list. Um, It's our best estimate at this point of the total cost. And it comes from listening to the congregation. So the next step included in this discernment process, we're not asking for any binding pledges, but we are asking you to tell Aaron how much a range, if you are excited about this project, what the range might be for the kind of gift you might participate in. That is part of this. Because we're in a feasibility place. We need to know from the congregation um, how much of this do we think can be funded. And the likelihood is not all of it. And so we're also asking for what are your priorities in this. Now, the whole congregation may get together and say, Brian's Undercroft is the best idea I've ever heard, let's do that first. But I can tell you, if we can't afford to do it and the boiler, the boiler is going to have to get attention. That's just the reality that we live in, because we could have a wonderful undercroft, but if we're all freezing in December in the church, it's not going to work. So there is, there is discernment ahead, but we do need to hear from you what your priorities are. Um, the Master Plan project, that's where we are now. We have a Master Plan based on our... Um, and, and Master Plan is simply a a way of saying we have a set of drawings and we have a really much deeper understanding of the systems of the church. So we have a master plan. That's all that we've commissioned at this point. And it's taught us, at least it's taught me, a great deal about our building. It's confirmed some things we know, like that the boiler is in its last year or two of usefulness. Uh, over the past three years, we learn that the fixes originally proposed to our organ in the last capital campaign were not enough to preserve the instrument. So there's, uh, there's a bit of the capital campaign, the previous capital campaign um, funding that is still being held by the vestry, and we may find a way to do something about the organ with the previous campaign finances that we still have, but they won't go far enough to do the, what we really need to do to fix the organ. Um, we also learn, thanks be to God, that we, that we likely do not have to tear out our steam pipes or much of our electrical wiring out of the older parts of our building. That's really good news. The, pro- the cost of the project would have shot way through the roof if we had to replace all those steam pipes. So that's really good news. Um, there's ways to work with the electrical wiring that I didn't know were possible, and that's really exciting. Uh, We also learned that that occasional stinky sewer smell that we get uh, does not mean that our drainage system is out of code or poorly designed. Uh, It stinks, but it does just mean that we have something called an ejection pit that was put inside the boiler room, uh, and that was maybe because of drainage and maybe because it was cheaper to do it inside. So, But we're not, out of, we're not in a code violation, which is where Susan, your junior warden, and I thought we were. So that's, we've learned some good things. And perhaps most significantly, um, with the civil engineers that, we, uh, that were hired by Stouter Architects, we learned that Holy Communion is not about to slide down the hill and end up on Gannon Street. And that's really good news. Um, so let's walk through some of the proposed changes. I'm going to pull up, hopefully our website and show you where to find this. Um, in your document, you have got uh, the size of drawings that would fit on 11, 8 8.5 by 11 paper. Uh, we wanted to mail those out to everybody, but if you have access to the internet, you can get much higher definition pictures. Um, so I'm going to show you where those live. On our website, if you scroll down, you can find a link to the discernment campaign. This is the same link that is in your packets. It's holycommunion.net backslash survey. So you'll find our Capital Campaign Questionnaire. Um, This is the link if you wanna fill out your questionnaire online. Just put in your code that's in your packet. Um, You can download the whole um, case statement and my letter introducing the case statement. But then here is the link to see a high resolution copy of the architect's drawing. And as soon as they download, we'll the will There we go. So this is the first draw and you can use the tools to zoom in. You can even download it and use Adobe Acrobat or whatever reader you use. This drawing is mostly showing you the front of the church. So I'm gonna leave out this back portion. There's better drawings of that. I'm gonna zoom in here. What you see here is a new proposal for a plaza on Delmar and Jackson. So um, this is our existing one. You can see the tree. Would still be there, that big beautiful locust tree. But this hash mark section would be a new plaza, permeable stone. It would look more and work like concrete, but it would allow water to still get into the water table. Um, But we would have a lot more flat, um, hard surface to gather on. This circle right here would be an outdoor labyrinth. Um, Out on uh, out on the corner. This is Delmar, and this is Jackson. So now there our labyrinth with benches. Uh, The architect also would propose adding some bike uh, racks right in here. So you have a nice plaza. There would also be a short, just an 18-inch wall that would be added that would help with erosion control. We've got some erosion going on over here. And we would probably do some wildflower plantings and green space around these benches around the edges of the labyrinth. What this means is when we gather outside, a little kid could run out here and run out on the labyrinth, and there would be a physical barrier that would keep them... Let's see if we can get that... The kids from being able to get out to Delmar and Jackson. When we do our um, fall festival, the last couple of years we've done it out on our front lawn, and we've had ugly plastic netting that doesn't do a really great job, um, and we sort of put parents out on the edges to keep kids from running too far. Um, this would be a really nice um, visual gathering space. Uh, we could definitely see we see so many neighbors walking by our space during the week. This would have a nice sort of plaza feel to it. While still maintaining quite a bit of green space out in front of the church. Of the sign, yeah, that's something that's still open for discussion. Um, it's not on this plan yet. It could, and it you city would probably get to tell us a little bit about where that would go. Um, signage is included in the plan. We don't have a drawing of what that signage would look like yet. Um, but we would. We're proposing doing a whole update for the sign system, and there's no. We've not decided whether that's going to be like like the. Big Ben has that new LED sign, so you don't have to go out and physically change letters or if it would be an update to our current sign. Um, the good news is we've already got electricity out to where the sign is, so we might be able to just leave it there in that green space uh, near the labyrinth. How tall is that wall? The wall, I think it says on the plan, I think it's 18 inches. Yeah, it's not very tall. It's tall enough to keep a toddler from running into Delmar but not tall enough to provide a visual barrier to the church. So that's the outdoor proposal. Any more questions about the outdoor part? Any water or no um, Probably not a fountain. Um, there might be some drip system included, uh, depending on what, we wanna go more native plants, but um, it sort of depends on, if this becomes a high priority in the discernment phase, um, we may be able to do a little bit more I'm sorry. I don't know why I keep losing this. Might try a different adapter. <laughs> so scrolling down, now we get into Brian's undercroft. So you'll see there's not a lot of updates. <laughs> um, you'll see there's not a lot of updates to this part of the building. For a high <laughs> dollar amount, I'm sure we can flat. The only update, and I don't know if it will remain my office or not, but um, my office is currently labeled Classroom C in this. Um, my office is the only space downstairs that still has really thin, single pane windows, um, and I'm not just concerned about my comfort, but the thermostat that controls the whole undercroft or the whole like, downstairs space is in my office. So, that's partly why when it gets really cold outside, it gets really hot down there, um, is because we've got an issue with temperature regulation in that space. So, we want to just replace some windows there. Most of the updates, though, are over in what is currently the undercroft. So, as you can see, the proposal would include filling in the undercroft. You'd have a new conference room, um, trying to find there, right here, sort of up where the stage was. Yeah, I'm going to change the adapters. Stick with me for a minute. Maybe? No. Yeah, I oh, do it me. There you go. Um, and then you'd have four offices or small classrooms um, right below it. Then the space that was the nursery um, would be carved into more offices. This, and and they're labeled as offices, but they'd also be the right size to be a small studio space for music lessons. Um, The biggest uh, outside income we have beyond the congregation at this point is our partnership with the Community Music School at Webster University. Since they moved here, they've gotten more popular, and they're probably gonna add another classroom space here. The hope is to be able to do partnerships like that Um, We've also got women's voices raised in the building now and that's providing some additional income for Holy Communion, their rent. But if Brian had his way, this could become an incubator space for new nonprofits, maybe even new small businesses. Small business, we would have to work out some of the tax implications, but imagine you had a local group of women, maybe we met at Laundry Love, that wanted to start an art group together or wanted to start a small catering thing. Um, we think that this would help us utilize what is currently our least utilized space downstairs, which is the undercrop. Any questions about undercrop? Yeah. I guess hard to do Is there a sense of what the added I'm going to let the treasurer answer that one. potentially um, place where income could come in and we could improve the life of the congregation at the same time. Uh, This is the proposal for an updated kitchen. One of the things we learned is that our um, washing machine, our dishwasher, is actually, uh, it's not quite state of the art, but it's in really good shape, so we don't have to replace it, which is great because it would have been a really expensive appliance. Um, We are looking at, you'll see, the budget for the kitchen is pretty high. The most expensive item is we need to update the hood over our range and ovens, because it doesn't have fire suppression in it. That keeps us from becoming a code-certified kitchen. We would also need to add, um, we need to change our sink arrangement and put in a new, just hand-washing sink. But then we could be a certified kitchen. Yeah, I'm gonna trade these. So we don't need to do it to serve breakfast. Um, but we do need to be a certified kitchen if we ever want to have a feeding ministry out of our building. If we're ever gonna feed beyond just Holy Communion, we have to be code certified. It also is a safety issue. Yeah, go ahead, Grant. people are thinking, Yeah. the fire suppression isn't there just for code, it's there for safety. Yeah, it, it's there for safety. It, our hood was put in at a time when that wasn't required. Um, when uh, Susan Norris's dad is a building safety inspector, he's retired, and he did a walk through our building well before we did this process. He said the single biggest danger in this building is that hood. Um, so that's a piece, it's also the most expensive piece. The good news is the venting is right for a new hood, so we don't have to dig a new hole in the wall, which actually kept the, ch- the kitchen a little bit cleaner. The price for the kitchen also includes this magical little circle which is to take what is called the ejector pit and put it outside. Um, right now, if we have an issue with water and drainage, we can get a smelly um, pit inside our boiler room, which is where the air gets delivered and the church passes through, which is why last year, sometimes you were coming and it smelled like incense in the morning, because Mike was trying to cover up the smell. <laughs> That's an expensive item. It's, it's several thousand dollars to put that outside investment worth making um, the kitchen would have a new range the Viking range that we have now is probably if Bert has done some immaculate work on it but it's like 40 years old uh, and it would need some real love it's hard to keep the ovens at the right temperature so we would get a new range and separate ovens um, that would allow us if we ever had an issue with an oven you could pull it out of the wall and put just a usual oven and it'd be a lot cheaper than trying to replace a whole Viking oven range Any more questions about the kitchen? There is a hope that this could also be an income provider. for food Um, we explored putting in a walk-in fridge but we decided that was overkill Um, so to put dry storage in there and then also to carve out um, an additional we don't have um, there's actually we'll see one upstairs too we don't have a single certifiable ADA restroom in our building we have a bunch that are sort of close but we don't have any that are actually at the code so we want to create downstairs a single gender ADA accessible restroom And we also want to add a shower um, downstairs, so that if this becomes an incubator, um, or if one of our staff members wanted to commute on their bicycle, they would have a place to shower before they had to work. Um, It's something that if we were able to get some kind of like green co-working space of nonprofits going down there, um, if it became its own kind of enterprise down there, it's something that's under high demand So that's part of it. Yeah? You said single gender. Oh, oh I'm, I'm sorry. A single restroom, all gender downstairs. So you'd still have the women's room and men's room as they're currently configured, but you'd have another additional restroom downstairs, just a single server. Yeah, one toilet, one shower, one sink. That's downstairs. Upstairs. Um, let's start over here in the lounge. So Mitchell Hall and the lounge would not get much update. We did some work on them um, this fall. One of the things that is in the proposal that we might actually do well before um, we get started on that side would be to put an, uh, an audio system in here because uh, we don't we currently have this, this like standing microphone that we use when somebody who's not as loud as me gets up here. Um, but we want to create a system in here that could allow us to have the wireless mics. If we do these renovations to that side of the building, likely we will be out of the church for several months, so we would be worshiping in here. I know Holy Communion has done it before, but to do it well, we would need an audio system. And to make this room multifunction, we need an audio system. That would include a hearing aid loop that would go in this space so that it could be broadcast directly into folks' hearing aids. Randall? Yeah, that's part of that proposal as well. It would cut down on the echo. The nursery's already done. The old nursery would turn into offices. So um, the only other proposal is to take the two restrooms that are right through that wall, that are really small and cramped, um, and to expand them and give them better ventilation. So you would have one door to a restroom in the lounge, and then there would be one door, um, and the expansion would happen where we currently have our coat rack. So, that you would have two ADA um, and, and gender non specific restrooms that would have easy to open doors and they would be big enough to move around in and they would be less stinky because they wouldn't be so small, cramped, and they'd have better revelation. That's really it on this side because we've already done the nursery and we've already done a uh, refurb of this floor. Wow. Nothing in this room. Yeah, nothing is proposed in the hospitality room, the kitchen up here. Uh, Let's talk about the church side. There's a lot on this side. Um, So we worked with the um, organ builder who gave us the proposal that the Vestry intended to accept in the last capital campaign. By the time I came as rector, that proposal was off the table because he looked at the organ more closely and he said, for the $70,000 that I proposed, we can't do enough to make sure that this organ will be playable for 10 more years it needs more drastic help. Um, Robert Dial is a really well-respected organ builder in the area, and um, he's the one who's put together the organ proposal that we're using as our working kind of model. In Robert's proposal, we would take these two big chambers right here, where the organ lives currently. If you've not seen it, ask me sometime after church, I'll turn the lights on, you can see through and see where the organ pipes are. We would take the pipes out of the back room and turn that into a bigger working sacristy which allow us to lay our altar coverings out flat, and it would give Gene Parker and the altar guild um, some more room which they desperately need to put together the stuff that we need for worship, all the seasons that we have. The organ, Robert Dial tells us, would fit well in just this space with a slight expansion out this way which would allow us to showcase pipes. you would be able to see that we have a pipe organ when you come into the church. Now, it wouldn't be simply a pipe organ. It would be a pipe organ with electronic components. The technology on this has has gotten so much better than the Wurlitzers. It's not going to sound chintzy. Uh, We had a a hybrid organ at the church I worked in in Washington, D.C., and it it allows you to have cathedral kind of sound, three-story-tall pipe sound in a smaller space. Um, It also thankfully makes the things cheaper. So the 390 or so thousand you see for the organ includes the work on the organ, but it also includes the work on the room the organ sits in. The biggest challenge we have with the organ right now is it's in an uninsulated room. uh, And there is actually air ducting running through the organ. So it would be taking the whole organ out of that room, changing that room so that there's no longer any HVAC running through the organ chamber, And the organ would have its own what's called a ductless HVAC system for its own room, which would mean the most consistent temperature in this whole building would be in the organ room, which means that we can preserve the organ better. And it would keep us from having to spend so much on tuning because if the temperature doesn't swing wildly, then the pipes don't expand and contract as much as they do. So the thing stays in tune better. So that all costs quite a bit to do. Uh, So uh, essentially you're creating a closed box yeah so yeah yep. but you said that there'd be the a section where pipes would be visible so can you explain how we can see them and we hear them yeah off? so you, those, the pipes that are closest to the sanctuary would experience more of the sanctuary swings so the most sensitive stuff would be really back into the you might have some more of the electronic components and a screen with just a few pipes in it in the sanctuary and the sensitive stuff is back in the room Better controlled. Okay. I mean, it, it's a zone, so it'll bleed a little bit, but it's, it, we're not going to create a perfectly insulated space because then the sound can't come out. But having that system right there means that if the sanctuary, the sanctuary is our biggest space, if we allow that to swing a few degrees in the hottest days and the coolest days, we save a lot um, on heating and cooling. And it means that we can keep the pipes at a pretty consistent temperature. For that. More questions about the organ? Otherwise, uh, there's not a lot. There's some. um, We want to create an angled wall, and you see this zigzag here. That's like what Randall was talking about in terms of acoustics. We currently have a standing echo where the choir and the um, priest stand. It's these two standing walls, and it causes sound distortion. This would break up that echo and allow the sound to get out into the congregation better. You'd hear the choir better. It wouldn't be as muffled. Um, The organ itself, the actual console, would be computerized. Uh, there's no getting around that these days. We can't do anything to the organ without updating the console, because the technology we have in it, you can't even get parts for anymore. Um, but when you computerize it, it would allow you to move it, too. It could be on casters, and you could have the organ in one place for worship. But if you wanted to have an organ concert, you could pull it out and you move the altar, put it where. Right Down here, there's a couple of things in the actual, what we call the nave of the church, the big space where all the seating is. Um, One is a new updated baptismal font. We would incorporate the font we have now, but we would create a bigger architectural space. We've got plenty of space around there now. Um, It's a reminder of our baptism. How many of you were here for the Easter Vigil where Marky Joe got baptized? Um, So Marky Joe, when we baptized Marky Joe, I took water out of the font and poured it over her head while she stood in the kiddie pool. Um, part of what the, the liturgists and sacramental scholars are saying and we're seeing in churches are bigger baptismal fonts because there are more and more adults that want to be baptized. And so we're returning to a model from the early church where you stood in water while water is poured over you as an adult. It's a bigger sacramental reminder. And on Sunday morning, you'd have to navigate around Of furniture. Right in front of that, we are proposing the whole carpet would be taken up in the church, and we would have a slate floor or a slate light floor. um, A a harbor surface which would make the acoustics better for the organ and for and just generally. But in that slate floor, we could put down contrasting tiles to have a labyrinth. So that, say, during Lent or during Advent, if we wanted to have labyrinth. Uh, If we wanted to host a yoga class on the labyrinth, like they do at Grace Cathedral, we could do it. Um, There's space in there for a labyrinth. And then the last one, and this is one that is sort of for me and I'm sort of excited about, uh, so I've got to be careful. But um, this little window would be a, um, it would pop through just one portion of our nave ceiling to have skylight. So because we have one of the lowest amount of natural light coming into our sanctuary in any church I know, Um, this would allow sunlight in. Um, We could save a little bit on lighting, but it would also just allow for a brighter nave if you wanted to walk in there during the week and not all the lights were on. Um, It also would lift up a portion of the ceiling. You can see this is the height of the rounded dome, and this is the height of our pitched roof. So you would see up. Um, there's a there's some pictures of a skylight like this in the cathedral in Boston that I showed at an earlier forum. Uh, and they're really cool. If you want to see that, I can show you after. Any questions about proposed changes to. Um, so the skylights are in existing roof line Yeah. The ceiling. You would open up the ceiling, one little portion in the middle, and the skylights would go in existing. Yep. Which their own leak problems down the line. You've been channeling your junior warden. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we have leak problems because we have a lot of leak all the time. For me, having natural light is worth presenting some risk on leak problems because we have leak problems anyway. Uh, so I'd rather kinda know where it's gonna be rather than having <laughs> <it. Yeah. laughs> that's my Side, yeah, truly. So, this question about the leak. Um, I don't know if I missed this being discussed on the exterior. How old is our roof and will re-roofing be included? In- re-roofing is not included because our roof is 2012. So, um, we do have some issues and, and part of it is that this building was built in 1938 and so even with new roof on it, every once in a while we get some leaks because the spans that the roofing is on is bigger than we want. Um, but uh, the roof is actually in pretty good shape. Uh, we do have some issues in seams, uh, and we're going to always have those issues even with a new roof, because you, this is the Frankenstein of a building. It's been joined together in so many different ways that you've got some seams. We do have flashing. Um, we just had another leak in the sacristy a few weeks ago, and it's, it's because there's an old building and a new building that are hairy, and the flashing failed, and so it's being filled with silicon this week. And, it's, just, it's part of the nature of having this much square footage of the room. Uh, you, gotta have, you gotta deal with it sometimes. Other questions? The other piece I didn't talk about: um, these windows in the chapel and the windows on this side of the nave. All of those windows are were um, well, with the exception of the four at the very front, which you see are not highlighted. Um, those windows at the very front, closest to the chapel altar, are Emil Fry Studios, a famous St. Louis State class studio. They were brought up from the old church. Two of them were installed in these two places when this was the chapel for Holy Communion. But the rest of the windows in the chapel, um, and the windows on this side of the nave, these windows here, were all um, sort of mail-order windows. Uh, They were not, they were were mass-produced sort of windows. They're not architecturally or artistically significant. We're looking at a plan to replace some of them, and we don't know how much because we're still working with artists, but to none of our stained glass windows have anything but white people in them, which does not reflect the diversity of our congregation nor our community. Um, As your senior warden wrote in um, the case statement, our stained glass windows are are our eyes out to the community. If you come by here on a, 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 at night and the lights are on in the church, you see the stained glass windows. If you're here on a Sunday morning and it's light outside, you see the stained glass windows. Uh, there are some women in the of St. Mary. But um, the proposal would be to update the windows and to have black saints and biblical figures. Uh, so we're talking to some local black artists to be the creators of those windows. We've had to ballpark the price for now. Um, But that's one of the proposals would be to update some of our stained glass windows that's not particularly significant stained glass and, um, and reflect the diversity. thing I'm not going to do is run a capital campaign and ask people to do windows at the same time because we don't want to ask people to, for too much money at the same time. Another short, basic question I might miss since I'm late. This is window related. I understand the skylights the, uh, in the day. Yeah. Definitely. What about here? We only have those two little windows. Uh, it's not something in the current plans because we didn't hear that this space was as much of a priority. This is sort of, we've got a lot of square footage of running around space. And you'd still have halls, you could do circuits. That's <laughs> it. Others? a lot of space right above us, maybe a bridge court Well, there you go. All right, let's get down into the church itself. So, um, I'm going to zoom out a little bit. So the church itself, you've got side by side two potential setups. These are not written in stone. But part of the updated sanctuary is more flexible seating. So in these drawings, you have the number of pews that would fit if we decided to, if we wanted to open up the whole church, this number of pews, would be able to line the walls. So that if you wanted to have a yoga class, or if you wanted to set it up so the kids could really run around, um, you could just have one continuous pew bench running around the outside walls. And then otherwise, the space would be totally open. Um, That preserves that about a third of our seating remains pews. In this proposal, the pews would be, we would take the best of the pews, and cut them down into half pews and sit them next to each other. And they wouldn't be fixed in place. They'd be movable. They'd be like the pews in the chapel or in the back of the church. They'd be smaller. Not as small as the chapel pews. They'd be about the size of the back of the church, about one half of what our current pews are. Part of that is structural. You couldn't unbolt our current pews and move them without breaking them because they're too long and physics won't let you do it. And the shorter ones we have experience moving, they'll work. Part of it is that and Mark can tell you, he brought me a piece last week, and it's happening more and more. Pieces are breaking off our pews right now. We need to do something about our seating, and restoring the best of our pews and keeping the best of our historic pews is partly what we're hearing from the congregation as a priority. But preserving flexible seating. So the first third, potentially, or it could be we could mix them in depending on what ends up looking nice um but you could have a mix of pews and chairs i think dan likes this because if you wanted to alternate you know say you're getting to the end of um, easter season and you're moving into summer and you wanted to move to uh, a different arrangement you would program a sunday where folks stick around and help us rearrange and you could just turn these around um and you'd have pews here and seats here i think he likes that because the chairs we're looking at are stackable They're, the chairs in the back of the room is as sort of architecturally significant and, and liturgical as they look, you can stack them, and you can put them either in the chapel or downstairs, um, and you could remove them so you could get access to the labyrinth, um, or you could use the back space for a more open style of worship. Um, so this, these are two potential arrangements. Um, but to do this potential arrangement, part of the proposal includes creating a significant architectural altar platform, a wooden altar platform that would look really nice, uh, and an ambo so that we could worship in the round. Seating capacity on this side, I didn't see it on these drawings. When Dan did the original sketches, it's something like 143 in the nave plus fire. Um, and this arrangement is about 210, which is what our current arrangement is. And Ambo is the um, is the lectern. It's it's right now what the eagle is. I'm not saying we're keeping or removing the eagle at this point, but it's the place where the readings are from. And if you're set up in this configuration, the preacher would probably preach from it as well. My you wouldn't have half the conversation. Right. Yeah. So the problem is my right, and your left. So on the left hand side, um, that would be a sort of more in the round or um, gathered around the table arrangement. On the right-hand side, it would look a lot like what our current arrangement is. It would just, I imagine that this is what we would need for Christmas and Easter, the, the current style arrangement. And the nice thing is, for those big services, like we do now, we still have room to pull some of these chairs in in the very back for the extra folks when we get beyond 2.10. The black circle in the bottom, you those represent the new baptismal font. That's the new lap The black circle, yeah. The baptismal font is not a swimming pool. Um, it's just a little, It's it, you know, it's like a kiddie pool that somebody can stand in. The, the circle's the lab I'm going for. Other questions about that? So, yeah, so we're not considering getting rid of all of the pews, is that correct? Not at this stage, no. We wouldn't get rid of all of the pews. So our pews are historically significant. They built for the third chapel of Holy Communion, but those pews, Dr. Robert, the first rector stipulated, if he was going to become rector, this was going to be a free pew church. It wasn't going to have pew rent. And so those are some of the first free pews in uh, Mississippi. And so we're going to maintain some of them and restore them and make sure that they aren't falling apart for generations. There are a few (laughs) solutions to that. Most likely, kids would be able to get their hand wet, um, but it it wouldn't be very many inches of water, Okay, And B, it's it's not like a Baptist fact. There's a a couple of answers to that, or responses to that at least. One is that um, the pews are a little wider, but um, one of the things that happens in our pews as they're currently set up is that they have a significant angle to them so that you sit back. Folks that are challenged with weight and also um, folks that are just getting older often have knee issues. And rising up from the angle back all the way up can be a significant challenge. And so the flat seats can actually be really good for somebody who has knee problems. Um, It's part of maintaining accessibility. Uh, I actually brought some of the guild members uh, over to sit in the chairs as we currently have. Mary, can you tell me, how was the chair for you? Very comfortable. comfortable. Mary told me I made a convert of her when she came back for the chair. Um, Michael Bonds, who's walked out at this point, was really skeptical about, Pew's, about pew chair arrangements last time. After she went and sat in them, she started asking me if we could have some of the chairs in the front row. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing you can do with these chairs, they're, they're fixed together with little um, hymn racks. We could strategically have a few of them unfixed so that somebody could slide them out. Um, and uh, there are some folks in the congregation who already know how to take those out. Um, so, there was some proposal about doing some chairs wider, some chairs narrower, these are actually already pretty wide uh, as chairs go, but I think it's more in preserving dignity if somebody knows that they can slide a chair out, than if they have to say, hey, that's my chair because it's a little wider. Julie. Oh, I, I- So I want you to sit in these chairs yeah. before you make the judgment. Because, um, and, and then my next question, I think yeah. you just answered it. I am like 100% against chairs that work together. Yeah. And so I just hope that these will so, be worked together. If China have the possibility that I hate knowing that I can't. That you can't slide around. Yeah, and this is... This is these have the possibility of being hooked together. They don't necessarily have to be hooked together. And that's one of the things where it's like the only way to know how these kind of things will best work is once they are actually in the space to live with them and, and do some work with them. Um, but we've got more options with this than other arrangements. Yeah. I was in a parish where we, we had to be living in the pews because of space. Yep. Because the chairs that's, um, what we're looking at is to provide, and, and go kneel, if you're a kneeler, go back, the chairs are comfortable, the kneelers that come with them are like heaven. Um, our current kneelers land y'all on the concrete floor like that. We would replace not just the kneelers for the chairs, but we would order the kind of kneelers that come with these chairs. It's a taller cushion. Um, that allows you, if you put kneelers on the back of them, you can't stack them. So we would have the taller cushions, but we would use that for all, because our current views don't have kneelers on them. So we use these taller, thicker cushions. Uh, the structural foam they have now is just so much better than when our current kneelers were made. But there are 10 of those kneelers in the back. I know saying that I'm in danger that they're gonna migrate to where certain people sit in the kneelers. <laughs> but, but go check them out because they really are, there are world better than the ones we have now. Right. Randall. Related to the size issues, the height not looking at casters because um, if we cut them down to this size, two people can easily move them. Um, and uh, the chairs, what's amazing to me is Mary Allen is comfortable in them, I'm comfortable in them, and Ellis is comfortable in them. And those are three very different heights of people. Um, so they're well designed for a variety of heights of people. You're never going to make everybody 100% comfortable. Um, but it's it's better than the current pews are in terms of for sort of that. The question is more on the pews, if we're refabricating those, can we look at maybe a couple, three, four inches uh sizes there, which we have a couple of them So the current proposal does not include that. Um I I don't even know how I we'd have to ask the architect if you could do that, but it's a good question. I mean for someone my size, the pews if and when I do choose to kneel, it gets cranked. Um, yeah. Um Bye. That that's part of... Flexibility would allow us to do things about stuff like that um, that we currently just have no remedy for. Flexibility allows us to experiment with the spacing of chairs and pews uh, in a way that we can't right now. Um, it allows all sorts of stuff to happen in our biggest space. Um, but it would allow for us to address comfort issues that we just can't address. Shirley? Um. Go ahead. Uh. the choir seating is up there, and that's because he wanted to put the organ in the front, the choir seating could actually come forward and- so that if people wanted to stand to receive communion, they could- Denise and I could sit there the Sunday before we worship in a certain configuration and make sure she has a place to worship that works for her. Other questions? The vestry is really open, we really do, and we're asking you please turn in your questionnaires by October 8. But if you have more questions, if you have more concerns, if you're really excited about something, about the color that the arches should be, or uh, if you're really worried about something, please come and talk to us. We really want that to happen as part of our discernment before we make any final decisions. Um, we're really at the discernment phase. These are proposals. All right, thank you all very much. I gotta put on an outfit and preach.